0: I invite you now to join me in our litany of spiritual practice. When all was darkness, God created light and called it good. The people who once lived in darkness have been given a great light. light Christ be our light shine in the darkness during this time of early year preparations we have been emphasizing the way in which we might develop the discipline of spiritual practices we have talked about focused breathing and keeping a vow of silence but today's encouragement is perhaps the more challenging But it's something common among all major religions to be as essential and necessary and serious as the practice of prayer itself. It may be something you have never tried or have tried and found it too hard. But, paraphrasing C.S. Lewis, in the spiritual life you learn by doing, not waiting until you are perfect to try. I'm referring to fasting. Purposely going for a length of time without any food, or in some cases, without any food or drink. Why? Well, first, it's assumed. Jesus said to his followers, When you fast, not if you fast. But more importantly, It focuses us upon the inner dialogue that we carry with us all the time. This running conversation that we have with ourselves and sometimes with God, helping us manage our lives and taking control of it and recognizing that in a world with so many options and so many choices, we can be bombarded by all the different decisions that we are asked to make. I thought growing up, there was only one type of ketchup. (laughs) And for most of my life, only one type of cola, even though a few places had other types of cola. It was just cola, or folks from Mississippi, soda, right? So there's all these choices that are always in front of us, and fasting is a way for us to get a handle on the management of our lives as a spiritual discipline. Once, when, in a pers- when I was in a personal retreat, I fasted from food for five days, after getting over the headache that will come in the second day, it's really not so bad. But I remember thinking at the end of that second day, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. die." What first was a threat became a liberation to face my own mortality with grace and honesty is the hidden door to living more fully and honestly in all the other days we are blessed to share. That self-denial and self-fulfillment walk hand in hand. And when we restrict just placating the desires of the flesh, we can find true grace and power within the Spirit. Now, I'm not asking you to take such a big step as going multiple days without eating. In fact, I would say if you want to try this, that you would start small. Skip lunch, or breakfast and lunch, or dinner and breakfast. Some find health benefits by practicing intermittent fasting, and there's plenty of information on the internet if you want to check out what it means on a regular basis to what I often call in practicing it, not eating, but rather just waiting to eat. Because I know I will eat, that's without question, so I'm not not eating. I'm just waiting before I start to eat. During my five-day experience, I allowed myself fruit juices, so you're in control. Pray about what you might do and how you might practice a way to pray and fast. Yes, you should remember other health considerations, but keep it secret. Don't make it about spiritual bragging or complaining, oh, I'm fasting today, aren't I holy? Just you and God, a secret you are keeping between you and the one who loves you and grants you your daily bread. The one who calls you more deeply into a life flowing with grace until our only life is returned back to its source its true source, and its true security forever.
1: Today our Christian witness is from 1 Corinthians. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For the word of God that works its way into us.
2: Let's pray again, please, shall we? Dear God, we draw great comfort from the idea that there is no shadow of turning with thee. That when we look, when we seek, when we ask, when we knock, that you are there. And you're there even when we can't seem to open our eyes wide enough to see you. Thank thank you for your faithfulness to us, for your persistence with us, for your perseverance with us, for never giving up on us. We pray, God, that we will take on that heart and always persevere and always love and never give up on anybody. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated.
0: As I sat this week thinking about the conflict present long ago in the early church manifested at Corinth, I tried to remember other church fights I have witnessed over the years. When I was a youth, my church was involved in a heated debate about our widowed pastor who was currently dating a woman who was divorced. What if they get married? Could he even be our pastor while dating her? And if I had stayed there, I would have been looking at a career change for sure over time. Then there was the time I was a youth minister. When my mentor and boss senior pastor had invited Catholic priest, controversial anti-war activist, and Christian pacifist, Daniel Berrigan, to speak in the fellowship hall. Not in the sanctuary, the fellowship hall. Afterwards, though he was a highly respected pastor, Several powerful individuals in the church were campaigning for his ouster. I also remember another time pastoring a little church in a small town when a woman who had grown up in that congregation her whole life and had been there as a baby, as a child, as a youth, as a single adult, married adult, parent and grandparent when she stood up in business meeting and looked around and said, I quote, our church would be just fine if it wasn't for all these new people. (laughs) Christians are not perfect and neither are the places they worship and attend. I want and hope and pray for the church to be a safe place a shelter against the harsh realities of the judging and negative world all around us. I'm blessed how central is close to that kind of place as I have ever experienced in church life. But even we are not perfect. And sometimes the winds and storms around us can be so strong as to rudely blow their way into us and into me." Even in our scriptural reading today, you will notice this same frustration out of the former Saul of Taurus, now Paul, the groundbreaking apostle helping forge the new Christian movement, offering us, quite honestly, a less than artful and really one of the most awkward reflections found within the holy record. Maybe you giggled when you heard it, paraphrasing. I really don't know why you're dragging my name into your mess. I mean, I only baptized Crispus and Gaius. So don't blame me, oh, oh wait a minute, I did baptize Stephanus and his household, but, but that's it as far as, well, well as far as I can remember, you know there may have been one or two that I've forgotten. Now doesn't that make you feel special? Even the great Saint Paul quoted throughout Christianity as much if not more than Jesus himself can get a little tongue-tied. While he is often insightful and deeply theological, he can also be just another worn out pastor struggling with an unruly congregation. Complicating our challenge as Baptist is our famed appreciation and commitment to individual liberty, where everyone is welcome before God, a person's soul, is competent to relate to God through Jesus Christ without any other mediator. There was a time in a Baptist church where you'd get a lot of amen saying that. Amen. There it is. Great Baptist preacher Carlisle Marney said, For Baptist, every tub sits on its own bottom. I'm not sure what he really meant by that. Except for baptist we are on our own before God alone. All of us whether we're pastors or deacons or church leaders whether we've been in the church for decades or it's just our first few Sundays must work together through consensus rather than through absolute authority. We discuss together, we debate together, We reason together, we might even find ourselves at times arguing together, but then we take a vote and hope to have adequately discerned the will of God for this place at this time. Our organizational structure in its best expression is flat, an inverse pyramid, where those who serve the organization are at the bottom and empowered to do the work those at the top forming the base have entrusted them to do. It is on one hand, genius, and on the other, one of the hardest and most difficult systems of church governance to sustain. Why are there so many Baptist churches? Not only in the South, but here in our own town It's because you are free before God to congregate yourself freely. Now again, we do a pretty good job here, but I'm the first to say we are not everyone's cup of tea, and that's okay. I'm also comforted by the fact that there are four gospel witnesses, and they don't always exactly agree, or at least they emphasize some things differently. And when you add in Paul, who is the one who wrote the earliest Christian documents and who by some estimates, counting either words he directly wrote or indirectly influenced, may have had his hand in as much as one-third of the whole of the New Testament, we find before us five primary sources that give witness to the style and teachings and meaningful accomplishments in the life of Jesus. Not one of us can completely and totally represent all of him. So, he needs all of us. Baptized into an identity, wholly reliant upon the only one who is perfect, but always coming to us to do this work those who will always come up short as individuals yes we are inspired by the same spirit a spirit of power whose fire when used unwisely is as capable of generating more destructive heat than revealing light <coughs> diversity is in the D A of the Christian experience. I don't possess all the truth. Thank God for that, but neither do you. And it's so much more helpful when we keep all of that before us, especially as we try to be a shelter of safety for the hurting, a rescue station for the lost, and a pulpit of broad and bold, courageous, unconditional love the community. We used to say it this way, like at that church that was questioning the pastor dating a divorcee. It's all level ground at the foot of the cross. That's why it's so unsettling when we observe how Christianity has become co-opted by power politics. When a short list of desired outcomes on which Christians can legitimately disagree becomes so vitally important that it becomes perfectly fine and okay to manipulate by any means that are available, even immoral ones like cheating and lying about your opponent in order to destroy them while elevating your own power. Christianity is not a zero sum game where the winner takes all, nor does it honor those at the top who make it their highest priority once in power to protect it and hold on to that power no matter what. I think they're coming for me. <laughs> and all of this is so highly deceptive because many of these Christians might use the vocabulary of piety and employ familiar images of our faith who, upon closer ins- inspection, are actually using a system that has no faith in it at all other than yourself. An identity for nothing higher or more except one's own selfish will that I can impose upon everybody else. A reliance not upon God or conditioned by God's revelation of the word made flesh but upon the love of power For power's own sake. So Paul says in this mess of messy humanity, wait a minute, there's another wisdom, a deeper and more mysterious wisdom only attractive to those who can perceive it. It is a wisdom so elusive that it will appear like foolishness to everyone else in the world. It teaches A discovery only by letting go. A fulfillment only possible by giving up. A joy experienced by making other people more important than yourself. A resurrection only attainable when you face down death and work your way Through it, not around it. Where a different class of words become the theme of our song that we sing. Words like mercy and forgiveness and sacrifice and humility. This is our true identity given in the name of the one in whom we have been baptized. He surrendered his life for us so that we might surrender our bodies into the water and into the greater goodness of a God who loves the world equally. Holding to the wisdom found only in the shadow of the cross and renewed with a mercy and forgiveness in the simplicity and shelter of a humble meal with our common friends and in the Lord who invites us to his table. In a moment, you're gonna be invited to this table, a table of welcome and inclusion given by the Lord Christ for the world with outstretched arms, arms that he offered to the world in love, arms ready to embrace and to include all who will come to him. This invitation is the Christ who has saved the world that you are invited to participate in. After the prayer, you will be invited to come down the center aisle to go to either side to take the gluten-free bread and the cup, if you wish, and then to exit through the outside aisles. If you wish to come forward only for a blessing, then you may just fold your arms, or if you are unable to leave your pew and come forward, someone will take the communion to you in the place where you are seated. Now may you join me in the preparation for the table. God, you have set the table. The all the world. You have filled our glasses with blood, our eye, and our love. you have filled our plates with and mighty. You have filled our eyes with the and You have filled our ears with the joy and grace. You have filled our hearts with and salvation. You have filled our souls God, you have set the table. Now we give thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ that on the night of his arrest and betrayal, he took bread, he broke it and blessed it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body broken for you. And in like manner he took the cup, saying, this cup represents my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink of this cup, you remember my death, you proclaim my resurrection, you await my coming glory. Let us pray. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts, that the bread and the cup may be the communion of your church, one with the body of Christ, seeking to live as the body of Christ into the world, through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit and in the power of Almighty God, Now and forever. Amen. Please come. Will you rise with me now as we stand together and sing Hymn 536, rise, on church, like our students. <laughs>
3: announcements before you leave this morning Uh, we have a book group that is starting a book uh, what is the name of it everything belongs and it is out there at the table you can purchase it there or you can purchase it on your own Uh, Aaron will answer any questions or hesitations that you might have about joining the book group or reading this book Uh, and he is glad he is waiting right now glad uh, ready for your questions Uh, They will meet a couple of times, so go ahead, get the book, start reading it, and join those conversations as they happen throughout the spring. There's uh, lots of other things at the sign-up tables. If you are a youth or a youth parent, please stop by that table and make sure your name is down for the missions retreat weekend, as well as for passport camps happening this summer. Uh, also, this week is a watercolor workshop. If you're into painting with watercolors or interested in painting with watercolors, uh, come by and check that out. There's uh, lots of other things happening uh, at the sign-up table. On your way out, uh, please drop a few dollars into our Benevolence offering. There's an offering plate right there uh, on the door at the door as you exit uh, that goes to a lot of the Benevolence requests that come uh, daily each, um, each week into this place for various of of, uh, reasons and issues, but we'd like to help those as much as we can. So just drop a few dollars in that plate as you leave, if you could. And finally, our pastor, Mark Johnson, is having knee replacement surgery tomorrow. So uh, we wish him all the best and please continue to pray for him and a speedy recovery, or maybe not so speedy recovery, I don't know. <laughs> Take your time, Mark, recover. Uh, next week Hannah in the Day will be preaching for us in the uh, 11 o'clock service, so please come and support her and listen to what she has to tell us. All right, I think that is all, I know that's a lot, so um, please stand now for these words of benediction. As you journey from this place, may you live into the deep questions of our faith. May you stand firm on the answers that you find, uncovering the ever-present works of God around us. And may you always be surrounded with God's kind of love. Go now in peace. Amen.